Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. All right, I want, uh, Jonathan came to me um, a few weeks ago, few weeks ago now and had this scripture and it's it's just hit me because I've I've had a, a word that this relates to um, for so long so I just want you to read it and whatever you have you can share but if you just want to read whatever yeah so I, like you said I came to him a few weeks ago I was reading in Romans and I read this uh, part in Romans 4 and it just kind of I don't know I just felt like being I just got giddy you know I just kind of start, started it just really hit me hard and so of course when something like that happens, you want to share it and talk about it. And so I told Mark about it, told Ben about it, told our whole uh, Call to the Wild uh, people about it. So I'm going to read it for you real quick. And it's in Romans 4.20. And in 18 and 19, Paul is talking about Abraham and um, basically the promise uh, that, that Yahweh had about them having a, a child and you know, obviously him being the father of many nations. So in 4.20 it says, He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. 21 says, And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore it, it being Abraham's belief in that promise, the promise, that being fully convinced in that promise that what he was able, to, what he says he was also able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. And so there's, there's a word there that is super simple in our understanding, but I think biblically we don't recognize how significant Yeshua made it. And the word is belief, believe, to believe. And see, oftentimes I think we kind of mix, there's, there's faith and there's belief, there's also knowing, and there's a progression in all of those, and I just pulled my shoe apart, I'm sorry. And there's a progression in these things. And, and he's, he's been hitting me over the past few weeks. I know we keep, we're going to get in trouble with this call the wild thing. We're going to have to make it like invite everybody or something because we always reference it. <laughs> but, but they've heard this again and again and it's just been my heart. We, we, we've got to believe. We've got to believe. And, and in this time of year, we think of Santa Claus and, you know, oh, everything says believe and we got to believe. It, it's so, so much deeper than that. And, there, and though faith and belief are interchangeable in Scripture, it's also something very, very separate. Very separate. And so I want to look at that this morning for just a little bit. And I, I really, honestly, I don't feel, I don't feel like I can get, say as much as I, as I, I maybe want to say because I just think that it's, it's something that I, I'm just to kind of put out there, if that's okay with everybody. Y'all, y'all okay with having a short message? Oh, man, y'all are learning. Just be like, no, keep going, keep going. All right. We're going to uh, read in uh, John six twenty two through 29. This word believe is... It's powerful for many reasons, and I, I want to get to the ultimate word, but I, I feel like I've got to build it up somewhat. It's just what I do. Eva always gets on to me because she's like, just finish the story. Just finish it. But I like to bring everybody there. I like to get you right there where I learned it and then hit you with it. It'll mean more. Trust me. But, you know, in one of the most famous scriptures that all of us know talks about this being so important and it's John 3:16 For God so loved the cosmos so loved the world so loved his creation that he gave his only begotten son for what reason that whoever should believe will not perish but have everlasting life It was the reason he gave his son is that we might believe in him the one he sent and, and what's cool is, is Apostle Damon Thompson, which I talked to him the other day, told him about this. It was cool because I hadn't talked to him in a while. He called me like Friday and he's like, so tell me what's going on. I was like, you don't have enough time. 
But this Sunday, we get to have our first service in the gym, and he just, he just about shouted on the phone. He's so excited for us and just sends his love, he and Tammy, and they're doing great too. So um, hopefully we can get them here very soon. It's in the works. Well, he doesn't know it's in the works, but I know it's in the works. No, he does. Um, but anyways, he has this awesome revelation on the synoptic gospels. And it's uh, the synoptic gospels most think are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But actually he says Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels. John is actually not. And if you read the synoptic gospels, meaning that they have a lot of themes that run throughout them and they say kind of the same things in their own way, that he believes that the book of John was written 40 to 50 years after the synoptic gospels were written. And the reason that he wrote them was because he was seeing the trajectory of where the church was going and he felt within him that he had to come out and say something and write something about who Christ actually is and was. And it gives me chills like just even thinking about his mindset because this is kind of where I feel like we are. I've, we've watched the trajectory of the church go one way and he's sitting there in a politically charged time, a confusing time, and he's saying like, this is not about politics. This is not about our beliefs and other things. This is not about anything else except the anointed one. And he starts writing this and he says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Apart from him, nothing was made, and through him, all things were made. In him was life, and that life was the light to all mankind. That light shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. And we love that part. But then he keeps going, and he talks, he talks about John the Baptist. He starts to talk about this light, and he said, there was a man that was sent from God. His name was John. He came that he would testify of this light so that we might believe. If you look at this in bookends and you think about the actual passion of John writing this saying, like, I'm not going to stand still when I've seen his eyes, when I've been touched by him. I was there after the resurrection. I, I know what took place. And I'm not okay with this being about politics. And I'm not okay with this being about having a good cushy life and it being all hunky-dory. I'm talking about a light that can't be quenched by darkness and it actually says that this light was in darkness. He says, all of this is to testify so that you would believe. This is the first bookend, if you will, of this whole revelation. In the synoptic gospels, belief, the word to believe is mentioned 33 times. The synoptic gospels. It's mentioned 33 times collectively. In the book of John, the word believe is mentioned 100 plus times. It was the central theme of what he was writing when he was seeing the trajectory of the church going the wrong way. And he said, I've got to bring them back to this word believe. I've got to make sure that they know that all of this is so that they might believe in the anointed one. That they might believe, not think of him as just a random character, but this being the life-giving anointed one that's supposed to reside within us. Can y'all see the spit like flare when I'm talking? Because like I can see it in these lights. I'm like, wow, this is not good for media purpose. People are like, that coronavirus, uh huh, that's not safe. It's like every time I say something. Um, on on the. So we have the one book in where he talks about John the baptizer coming and he was there to, to come as a testimony, as a witness, to testify of this light that we might believe in this light in the darkness. On the other end, at the end of the book of John, he sums everything up by saying, I've written all of these things that you might believe. Marry that with the idea that the whole reason he gave his son is that you would believe.
So let's look at John 6, 22, verse 29 out of the New King James Version. On the following day when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they, had, where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give to you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. So you see, he's trying to give them an, a, 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 a reason behind what they're seeking. He's saying, like, you just saw me do all these things, but you're not really focused on believing in what I did and who I am. You're more focused on what I produced. You're more focused on, like, okay, wait a second, like, he can do all these things, and they're coming to him. He knows their heart, even though they don't ask it, is like, how do we do this thing? How do we make these miracles happen so we can, you know, be like that and, and, and produce the bread and break the bread and do all those kinds of things? And it says then in 28, it says, then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? What, what, what do we do so that we can work these works? Is it already up there? Man, see, it takes away from that, like, bam, you know? But so Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who sent, whom he sent. I'm still looking. The work of God. We're like, you, you think of what they thought at that time. They're like, yeah, we, we get you. Like, sounds really great. The works, though, of God. How do we do the works? Like, boom, break the bread. Here's the fish. Like, just how do we do this? And he's saying, no. His works are that you believe in the one he sent. The truth is, is that I, I think that what's happening right now today in this place is that we're being brought back to some of the simplicity. I say this just about every single week, but some of the simplicity of revelation of the simple, simple things, and he's gonna put words in your heart like believe and say, seek that. See what, what all that means, what's wrapped up in within, within that. And so like, this is how he started to show me. There is belief. It's a foundational thing, and it is the point. There is a progression into faith. There is a point to that, but it's not the point. You see, I believe that this whole walk is about the walk and not the destination. I believe that we've got to be okay in the waiting. We've got to be okay in the seated place of belief. And I think that what we try to do a lot of times is activate the faith without the true belief. There's, there's a progression. And progression is almost not the word. I need a better word because progression makes us think that this is better than that. But this is what faith is. I, I think this is a good way to illustrate it. Faith is imuna. It means an, a firm action. It means to, to take a step, to do something. And we get the pressure of faith, but faith should not be pressure. Faith should just be fruit. 
Faith should not be something that you, you even try to do. It should just be something that comes out of you. There should be a firm action that comes out of a heart that's seated in belief. And so there's the Amuna. It's, it's what Yeshua says when there was 10 lepers that are healed and one returns. Think about this guy. We've spoken about this plenty of times, but, but we know that, that leprosy was so horrible that it literally took people's arms, messed up their face. And so when he heals these 10 lepers walking down the road, they all experience the healing. But one, out of the belief that he has in him, runs. He, there's nothing he can do except turn and go to thank the Father and worship. He turns around and Yeshua says back to him, he says, it's your faith that made you whole. What's the difference between healing and wholeness? We know that he restored him back to as if he never had leprosy in the first place. It's really what we want more than we want healing. It's really whenever we have something that takes from us, Yeshua really desires to bring us into healing and not stop there, but bring us into wholeness. And that illustrates faith, but listen to this. The, The story of the woman with the issue of blood is so, so powerful for many reasons, but she... She's dealt with this issue for 12 years. She's seen as an outcast. No one wants to touch her. She can't be a part of anything. No family, no touch, no nothing. That is gross. You stay over here. You're unwanted. You're unclean. That's how they saw that. You're unclean. And this woman breaks through this crowd. It's all around Yeshua. And she goes and she touches the hem of his garment and he says, you know the story, he says, I felt power leave my body. The disciples are saying, everybody touch. He said, no, but I feel power leave my body. Something just transitioned. Something in the atmosphere. See, that's what I'm talking about here. That's not even what I'm talking about this morning. But that's what I'm talking about is that there's going to be a, a people that are so sensitive to the presence of God, so sensitive that which they have within them, that even when a degree is not there, they're going to recognize it and come back seeking that degree back. We say a lot, I can't remember who, who was the one that, that coined this whole phrase, but you know, how important is a degree? 211 is hot water, but 212 can move a train. And the thing is, is that one degree off of where Holy Spirit, where Yahweh, where Abba designs us to be is operating in lack. And we're designed to operate in abundance. So we have to be in a place where we actually feel and understand and are so seated throughout the week in his presence that we recognize things. In all our ways, we acknowledge him. And we acknowledge, he acknowledges a degree of presence leave his body, a degree of power leave his body. And the exchange, what I wanted to get to, is, is the most powerful thing. We, we think of the story, the story is cool, but the dialogue at the end really illustrates what happens. He turns to her, and she says, I believe that even if I could touch the hem of your gar- garment, I would receive healing. And he said, beloved daughter, not woman with the issue of blood, beloved daughter, your faith has healed you. You see the illustration. It says, she believed that if I could just touch the hem of your garment, I would receive healing. And he's saying that that seated heart of belief produced an action that I call faith that actually healed you. Romans 10.10 says this. It says, it's with our hearts that we believe and are justified, but it's by the confession of our mouth that we confess our faith and are saved. It's, it's a, it's, the picture is that, well, I'll tell you, this is how Holy Spirit gave me the, the sentence. This is kind of how I'm seeing belief and faith. As he says, active faith comes from a heart that's seated in belief. 
seated, meaning rested, meaning like Jonathan read just recently, fully convinced of his promise. So what is knowing would be what the woman with issue of blood had after the experience. I know what took place, but I'm telling you that there's no more importance in the progression other than to believe. Everything else comes, this is on us, the rest comes organically. Does that make sense? It's, it's out of the uh, abundance of what's within our heart that our mouth speaks. It's guard your heart with everything that you have because everything that you do flows from it. There's a natural response to the belief that's within our heart. Is that a good way to say it? You all with me? I want to go back to, uh, to thinking about, this was probably three weeks ago, we talked about the unbelief and the sorrow and, and all of those things that swirled around the disciples. It, this was their progression. It started with this idea that they had unfulfilled expectations. And I'm, I'm relating this to today because this is the day, this is what the nation's in. This is one of the most relevant revelations that you could have to assess where you are. And I'm telling you that they had at that day, when Yeshua showed up, they knew what it was going to look like. They knew he was going to overtake the Roman rule. They knew that he was going to be seated on the throne there in the natural. And then he starts to talk to them about like, that's not how this is about to go down. I'm about to lose my life. But hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. But there's this unfulfilled expectation of how this day was supposed to look. And when we declare things with our mouths, they're either supernatural or they're natural, meaning supernatural means that it supersedes our natural understanding. It means that when I declare something like that this is the roaring 20s and then I try to go and that means A, B, C, and D, more than likely it does not mean A, B, C, or D. He gives us that seed and he says, watch what happens. Will you let that belief within you and then the faith come out and confess that these are the roaring 20s? And then if you put everything in that, well, I know what that's going to look like. My finances are about to explode. Like I'm gonna, my job's going to be better than it ever has. Trump's going to be seated on the throne and we're going to have all of these things are going to take place. I'm not, look, I'm not, being political, you know that. I'm just saying that this is genuinely how the Southern American Republican mindset is that are most of the people that are in the church. That's why I talk that way. And we believe that this was what it was supposed to look like. And what happens is just like the disciples, there's an unfulfilled expectation. From there comes disappointment. Disappointed this thing didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. Seems harmless enough. But what Yeshua said to these disciples is he kept telling them, let your heart not be troubled. And and listen to this. In Luke, when he says, let your, I think it's Luke 14, he says, let your heart not be troubled. He follows it up with this. You've believed in my father. Now it's time for you to believe in me. In the midst of disappointment, unfulfilled expectation, he said, listen, I have the solution for you not to get your heart filled with sorrow. Don't let it be troubled. You've believed in my father. And they sure did. That's why they thought he would come and establish that kingdom here. He says, you believed in my father. Now also it's time for you to believe in me, the anointed one. And the reason I came, hear the words that are coming out of my mouth. But they allowed that unbelief and unmet expectations to come in, to, 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 to come to, they came to a place of unfulfilled expectations to disappointment which if you're not careful leads to a place of sorrow, which leads to a place of what? Sleep. And then ultimately leads to a place of unbelief. 
And this is why the church, in my opinion, has lost complete power and why we're not seeing things shift and why we're not seeing miracles and signs and wonders take place. These are things that are meant, they're not the point, but they do follow those who believe. Right? Like We can't sit around and say that the Bible's not about power. That's not what my Bible says. And if we're supposed to have Christ within us, all of a sudden, am I this... Am I this thing that keeps him dim? Or am I meant to be a vessel that glorifies him? And how do I glorify him? It's by letting him be the hero he is. Letting him be the savior he is. Letting that pulse through my veins because I believe so much in the one who's within me. I believe that this is where the church is. There's an unfulfilled uh, expectation that has led to a heart of sorrow that has put them to sleep. In the garden, it says that he's praying with everything within them. And he says, pray that you might not fall into temptation. What's the temptation? Unbelief. That you might see what's happening around you and not believe what's within you. Don't fall into unbelief and they fall asleep while he's praying and sweating blood and, 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 he's, and he's having the most filled moment he's ever had feeling it. There are stones throw away, the Bible says, asleep. Then they run away out of fear. If you look later on in, in, in the Bible, it says it's talking about when he came back. None of them were there at the resurrection except for maybe John all these men who followed him and believed in him, all of a sudden they have this unbelief and aren't even there on that day because they're scared of what will happen to them. This unbelief of who, who they thought they were and who they thought he was led them to this place of fear to the degree that when he comes in, now given, he walks through a wall, so there's a little bit scary there. But he comes in and he has to say, peace be with you. Because peace was not with them. We're here in fear, hunkered down, thinking we're about to lose our lives. And a dude just walked through the wall. Okay? So I don't know what these Romans have going on now, but this is weird. And he has to convince them again. Look. You know me. Peace be with you. And they are awakened. Their eyes are open to the peace that's in front of them. And they recognize him not by the natural, but by the spirit. Remember my thing about, I believe whenever Mary's at the feet of, uh, of this gardener, she's crying and she says she sees the gardener. She didn't recognize him as Yeshua. I think because he was the gardener. I think he was demonstrating what the presence of the anointed one looks like in someone else and teaching her to recognize not with your eyes but with your spirit. But this encounter that he has with, this, with these men heals their unbelief and he talks to Thomas who's like, look, I'm gonna have to touch, I have to feel, I have to know. And he talks to him, he says, you're blessed because you've believed but how much more blessed are the ones that are gonna come that have not seen but still believe. And I'll just say in my own personal life, I, I feel like I've been in this place like Jesus talked about when he said, you've believed in God, now also believe in me. The Abba revelation has changed my life in so many ways, revealing his nature to me. And it's, it's such an amazing thing to know him as Abba, as Papa God, as Father, like Yeshua did. Incredible, powerful. But I've spent a lot of time and a lot of my life focused on just simply Abba, Holy Spirit. And I believe that they are three in one, right? But they are three. And in my own life, it's been hard for me to actually just believe, come into agreement with, with Yeshua as the healer. 
I'm going to tell you how this came about. Y'all can say whatever you want to say and be, you know, whatever, but I'm not religious and I'm willing to say like this has been a tough one for me to see those miracle working things take place because I believe in my own understanding of belief in him, but there's some depth that I'm missing or I have been missing in Yeshua. This came with, uh, I haven't even talked to her about this, but mom, you're, she's had this, this thing with her hip, and I know she probably doesn't want me to keep bringing it up, but you know what? Like Robert Allen has said, if we have an issue, this is the place to bring it. With believers that we don't have to be like, you know what, everything's fine. We're good, no problem. This is why we're joined together. This is why we came together. This is why we're family. I should be able to get up here and say the things that are on my heart and just get a yes and amen. I should, I should be able to tell you I'm dealing with this and I should get intercession from intercession to intercession and intercession and that's how we should think about each other and we should be writing cards to people that aren't here. And so my mom has this issue with her hip and it's bummed me out. It is an unfulfilled expectation because in my opinion, with all the things that are swirling around in me, I feel like it should be changing the things around me and the evidence should be all around me. But my mom does, like there's a question of if she should get hip surgery and, you know, and and it's, and it, it, it bums me out because it's like, you know, she can't walk with Mila up the stairs like she'd want to or play with our kids the way that she'd want to. And it's something that's just, just almost been my own hip issue. And I haven't really prayed for her before. I hadn't been praying. I mean, honestly, it was this thing of like Yahweh was using this moment to illustrate something to me. This tension. And when you feel the tension or things are unfulfilled, that's when you lean into his trust. That's when you lean in and say, show me, show me more. We get so upset about things that don't work out the way that we expect them to, but really it's opportunity to step into a new glory and to see some promises fulfilled, unwavering in my belief that what you said you would do. And so I started to, from that, get this word I just felt Yeshua rising up saying, believe. I need you to believe. And I started to share this revelation of what the word believe meant. And I was feeling this thing rising up within me. And one time I came home, my mom had watched the kids that night. And Eva and I had just gotten home and I was exhausted. I was ready to go to bed. And I got in, the kids were already asleep, which is glorious. And I was like a normal person. I was just going to be able to just go to bed. And I was, uh, I was sitting there. My mom had just gotten up. And she was like, all right, y'all. Love you. I'll see you. And something woke up in me. The belief woke up in me. And faith started to pour out. And I stopped my mom And I just said, Mom, I want to pray for you right now. And Eva and I got around her. And let me tell you what came out of me was not the prayer that I would normally pray, that you are healed, that da-da-da-da-da, and declare and declare and declare. You know what it came out as? Tears. And Papa, Papa God Abba, I'm asking... I'm asking for this to be a testimony of your glory. I'm asking for my mom's hip to be restored. I'm asking as a son. The belief pulled me into a place of sonship that I feel like I've never been in before. And the words that came out of my mouth were not my words, but his words. It was rising up within me, speaking over her. And I have not seen the full fulfillment of that, but I promise you that day something started. Something took place. And I'm going to see that fulfilled and I will be unwavering in my belief of what took place that day. 
The funny thing is that he's relentless for the whole heart, not just part. That next morning I woke up, we've just moved into our new house and obviously with new houses come new bills and all these different things and I'm you know, trying to manage and I like to have things under control and they're not under control here, there and everywhere and, uh, and I, I started to get a little anxious about this whole thing and I was just like frustrated with just, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing that can make you more, fr- it's why you, if anybody has any issue with giving I'm telling you, it's a principle that can change your life. It is a casting of the crown. It is a full-on trust. Because nothing, genuinely nothing can make you anxious like financial situations. Nothing can make you more of an unbeliever like finances. And what it is is a crown for this world. It is the currency of this world, not of the kingdom. It all belongs to him in the first place. And I know that we've lived in a place of not giving of our bread, but what happens when he says, give the last that you have in the Bible? It's not about principle, it's about the spirit. And so I woke up with this financial burden and how are we going to do this and that and we just have these goals and everything else and uh and so I'm you know frustrated Adam I'm trying to get out and get to work and and Leo of course is roaring at something running around being crazy I'm trying to get him dressed Frank is going to be late he's crying because he don't want to eat eggs it's all kinds of craziness and I'm just so upset and I'm like Leo get over here now I'm just kidding it was more like hey buddy come here (laughs) all you fake parents out there no, I'm, I'm, Leo, come here now. We got to go. I'm stressed. There's, this thing's boiling up within me, and I'm wavering in my unbelief. And guess what happens? My mom had gotten them pajamas the day before. And I go to take his shirt off, and in the front of his shirt says belief. And he's just said to me, I'm relentless for it all. Don't go and say, I'm going to be believing in the healing and not believing in the finances. I'm asking for it all. And you can't have one without the other. And I'm not asking you to stand on the edge. And some things you dip your water in. I'm talking about jumping all the way in, full on trust. In all your ways, acknowledge me. Lean not on your own understandings. And so what does this word believe mean? Because we've known it as believing surface level it's like a thing that you force yourselves to do but I searched a little bit deeper because this word has been impacting me so much there's so many times in the scripture that Yeshua talks about belief not just faith you understand he chooses to use the word believe believe I need you to believe. Let your hearts not be troubled. You've believed in God. I need you to believe in me and who I am, who I was sent to be. This word, when he says this, is the word aman. And let me read to you what it means. It means to be complete, completely convinced, as Abraham was. To be completely convinced to be made firm in, to be completely supported by, to be in agreement with. And all those things were like, yeah, that's, that's good. But actually, the, the ultimate of what the Hebrews believed that the word believe meant in Scripture, it means this, to form covenant with. It's where we get the word amen, amon, amen. Change the way I say amen because what they say when he's asking you, I need you to believe. I need you to form a covenant with me that it doesn't matter what's swirling around you. You have all 
belief and all covenant and all agreement in who I'm saying that I am. That the Father did send me. And I don't say words that he didn't say. And I don't do things he didn't do. I need you to believe in me. To form covenant with me. This is the, 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 the Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael type of thing. Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When he says, you know what? My God's going to deliver me from this fire. But even if he doesn't, I'm in covenant. I can't be shaken. Like, I don't really have an option. There's not an out. And we get, our this, we get on this thing where we're not really in covenant. We believe superficially in our understanding and not believe based on covenant relationship with the Father, relationship with the Son. And he's asking us to come into a place where we have covenantial belief. Where it says, I can't be shaken even if I feel like I should be shaken. There's an amazing, amazing story. If you know, they just did a movie about it. I haven't seen the movie, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. But it's called, I think it's called I Still Believe. But it's Jeremy Camp, who's a Christian artist. And when he was, I wrote it down, what, how old he was. He was, his, I think he was 23 years old. His wife was 21. They had just been married for one year and she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And he's this singer, he's this Christian worship leader. And she dies from this cancer. But something comes up within this man and the song that came out of him is, I still believe in your faithfulness. And I still believe in your truth. And there's something within us that goes, I'm scared of that because what if I'm the one that has to declare I still believe even when things didn't work out the way that they should? I'm going to tell you that there are trailblazers like a Jeremy Camp that in the midst of darkness said I still believe. It's making way for us that if we can still believe and see that heart, we're going to start to see miracles take place. It allows us not to be rooted in what happened in the past and be founded in the belief that he is who he says he is and that he is a healer and that you will not walk with a limp the rest of your day and you will not experience cancer for the rest of your days and that there's going to be redemption stories that are happening all around us because we believe and because those that came before us believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There's a story not that long ago that I got up here and bawled over about little Olive at the church in Bethel and Reading. I'm going to tell you that people, I don't really know them, but I do know kind of the story and the progression. And I believe that you can believe whatever you want about Bethel, but they are original. There are a lot of people out there trying to replicate the presence that they carry. It's impossible. Because they started in a heart founded and that it founded in belief and in truth and who the Spirit of the Lord is. And so they've produced this culture. And I, I've said this before, but a lot of people that just love Bethel music would hate Bethel services because there's people dancing around doing all kinds of crazy stuff, people showing up with money strapped to them because they're be- believing for financial breakthrough and wailing and falling on the ground and doing art and doing all these kind of crazy things. But they don't care because they're believing that he is who he says he is. And this little girl, Olive, how old was she? Two. Just stop breathing. And they as a community got together and decided we're not going to take that as the end. We're going to believe that we're going to see her raised from the dead like the Bible says is ours for the taking. For those that believe, ask anything, and it will be yours. And they believed that, and so they stood on that belief. And there were so many people around the globe that stood in agreement with that. And it didn't work out. She wasn't raised from the dead in our natural understanding of what that looks like. 
And there's an opportunity for people to turn, and they did. Many people said, how dare you put those parents through that? How dare you get all these people together in a room and worship and say that she's going to come back? How dare you guys get together and believe? That's too scandalous. That's too dangerous. That's too strange. But that little girl naturally might not have been resurrected, but I'm telling you there were people around the globe that were resurrected into a belief that they had never experienced before, or maybe they had experienced one day, but it shook them again to believe. And I'm telling you, today I believe more than ever that we are going to see the dead be raised. I believe more than ever that we're going to see miracles and signs and wonders take place. I believe that and I can believe that because Olive, little Olive, has amazing, powerful kingdom sons and daughters that are her parents that don't just waver in their unbelief when things don't go the way they think they should, but are founded in the belief that he is who he says he is and if he is who he says he is we are who we say we are and I don't need to take time off the platform to process it's all the more reason for me to get up and worship and be a declaration and a testimony that even if he doesn't I can't help it I chose to believe I was born again into belief and that to me means that I'm in covenantal relationship No matter what takes place, I still believe. It's 12.30 and we're supposed to be having a Christmas party. I'm sorry. I told you I was just going to release a little bit, so I don't know what a little bit was supposed to look like to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on one thing real quick. Y'all good? This is Matthew 17. We're going to start in verse 14. Very familiar story, but I want to show you something that's kind of triggered this all the more in me. Matthew seventeen fourteen out of the New King James Version says, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, epileptic and suffers severely. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. That's, I've, I've said this before, and this isn't the revelation I'm trying to share, but the epileptic actually mean, is a word that means moonstruck. It's not an, epilepsy doesn't mean that you are, you know, of demons. It, it, it's, not, it's not that kind of a thing. We know that. It's just what they translated. It actually means moonstruck, moonstruck which is, actually means you have a distemperment in your mind. And this distemperment in his mind was causing him to throw himself into fire and into water. 16 says, so I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. Ouch. That sounds like a body slam. There's other, there's other translations that says, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. But one of the things that remains constant in most translation is the word perverse. And we know it to be twisted or to be skewed or manipulated. That's the word perverted. But actually the word perverted is so cool because what it actually means is contrary to the standard. So what he says is he says, you're unbelieving, you're faithless because you're contrary to the standard that I set in the first place, the precedent that has been set. You've seen this before. And it's shown because later on in the scripture, the disciples are pulling him aside and they say, well, I'll read it so you don't think I'm lying like I always say. 18 says, and Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. 19 says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? That question's loaded because that to me means that they have cast out demons. This wasn't just Yeshua that was doing all these mighty works. It was those around him. And they said, why couldn't we do that? And he said, 
In 20, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. What? Because of our unbelief. Remember what I told you about John 6 before, whenever we were reading that. He talked about, you follow me because of these things, but the works of God are that you believe. He already was picking up on the fact that you're tied to who you think I'm going to be, not tied to who I am. And you can't do these things because of unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And this has always tripped me up. If you had faith as much as a mustard seed, I I think I do. But we, how we read things biblically and how we are as a culture is always about the final result of everything. And we miss the principle laced throughout this whole story. He's not even talking about the faith as much as he is the belief. He's saying faith as big as a mustard seed because he's talking about the belief that they were supposed to be seated in who he was produces a faith. Produces a faith that causes a mountain to move. If you had belief in your heart, if you had covenant with me, meaning not based on what takes place. See, what happened with the disciples, think of their unbelief and disappointment and the idea that they had performed miracles and now they're sitting here getting straight up embarrassed in front of this multitude of people because they can't. This dude's coming up to Jesus and saying, look, these guys can't do it. Please, the one who's the real deal, do it. And the disciples are approaching him saying like, what's going on? And he's saying, You are looking with these eyes. I'm telling you that the only way to perform these miracles ongoing is that you have to have covenantal relationship with who I am and who I say I am. And from that seat, remember, active faith comes from a place of seated belief, of seated covenant that you can say to a mountain, move, and it will do it. However, This kind does not, this is 21, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Meaning, this kind of healing, this kind of breakthrough only comes through through a way of relationship, of shutting it down, of a people that are willing to be seated and quiet, of people that are more focused on him than them. It means that this prayer thing or that this belief thing is not meant to be stagnant. It's seated, but it's active. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, though he lives within me. Why is this belief thing so important? It's genuinely because I'm telling you, with everything taking place in this world, He is waking us up. In in, in this story and other translations, it's where the the father comes to him and he says, I I do believe, he asked the father, do you believe? And he said, what do you mean if? You know, he said, can can you do that? If you would heal him. And Yeshua says, what do you mean if? What do you mean if I can heal him? Do you believe? And he says, heal my unbelief. And I'm telling you that this place, I believe that many of us, it's why when Henry started to talk, I'm always coming up. (laughs) If anybody's talking about a opportunity to shake what needs to be shaken, I'm stepping up. If anybody's talking about another place of being tender, uh, uh, another degree of knowing him, I'm stepping up. And this people has got to be willing to step up and say, I think I believe, but heal my unbelief. Let me again enter into covenant with you and who you are. Why is it so important that we believe? Because you have got to believe. Enter into a covenantal relationship with the anointed, with an, the anointed one and all he says he is. To enter into a place, to have the grace to survive in a world that eye has not seen nor ear has heard. I keep speaking that thing, but I'm telling you, we're walking into days that we don't know yet. 
He's rising up in a way that we have never seen before. And I don't have the blueprint for you except that he's saying it's time to believe again. And not surface level belief. I'm talking about it's time to enter back into a covenantal relationship. Amon. Amen. Coming into agreement with all that he says. And I, I, if we believe, see the believe part's on us. The, the, the signing of the contract, the making the decision that even if he doesn't, even if things don't happen the way that I think they are, that's on me. That's a decision that I have to make. And he gives us the grace to make that decision. If we ask him into our hearts, if we say we want to be born again, if we want to step into a place of belief like I've never believed before, he's coming to that place, but he's going to say, even if I don't, do you believe that I am who I say I am? And I'm having to come to a place where I say, yes, 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 and amen. You are, and I'm going to be unwavering once again. Jonathan, I want you to get up here and read that scripture one more time for me. But I'm going to be unwavering in my, uh, my belief in who you said I am, who you said you are, and what promises you've given me. This people is going to be unwavering in our belief, and I believe it's going to catapult us into a grace to walk in days that... Uh, <laughs> There are places, there are epicenters all over the world where stuff like this is taking place. I've told you before, there are people in other countries that are sending missionaries to the United States. People in China that are experiencing the presence of the Lord unlike anyone has ever seen. These are not just stories. These are facts. These are things that are taking place. And there's epicenters all over the world. I believe that Bethel is one of them. And I don't just speak highly of Bethel just for whatever. It's, it's because of the heart. There's another place called Upper Room that I believe has a lot of the same stuff. They were formed out of a people that just came together and they literally prayed as much as they, just as much as they could get together. They got together and prayed. No intention for a church service. No intention for a worship service. Nothing but just hearts to believe. Hearts to come in and pray. And from that, they've been a, a huge, huge... Um, staple in the, in, in the state of Texas and Dallas and they're changing people's lives like um, a millennial generation that are coming to the Father and seeing reality, real miracles take place and there's all these epicenters happening all over the place and I'm telling you he's taken his finger and he's pointed to Bay County and I believe that this place is going to be a place not like Bethel, not like Upper Room, not like Damon Thompson Ministries, which is also an epicenter, but we are called to be the tribe of the Rock of Bay County. And I'm telling you, it's not just frou-frou words to say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor entered into the heart of man. The things that he's about to make shake and take place in this house. Go ahead. Beginning Romans 4.20. He, Abraham, did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he, Yahweh, had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore it, therefore his belief was accounted to him for righteousness. For righteousness. 100 years old believing that he's going to have a child. It's not about what it looks like. It's about the promise. It's about who he is. And if the promise isn't big enough, if the promise isn't, doesn't go past your understanding, if, if the promise doesn't look like, what, what, what do we have in here now? Maybe 100 people? I don't know. But we're not called to just be us. Uh, there are those that are coming from all parts of the globe to this place. This will be a center of hope. This will be an atmospheric place where people shift as they step into the doors. Not for our glory, but for His. Because it is our fruit. 
It's the fruit of what we've been seated in. I was telling Henry, I felt this the other day, that this is what I, that what I, what I keep seeing in our day is that we've had that seed planted in good soil. That root comes down first, starts to soak up all these nutrients. Henry talks about this a lot. Starts to soak up all these nutrients. And then after it's rooted and starts to get everything out of that good soil, then slowly, and I believe what I saw last week in our gathering what I'm starting to see this week and what's going to be ever increasing is I just saw the bud pop out of the ground. That's what I truly believe here. The bud has popped out of the ground and I, and I am so excited to see what takes place. But I'm going to tell you, the rooting was hard, but it was glorious. And the bud is not easy, but it's amazing. And I'm thankful to be right where I am. And I believe that as a people here, we have got to be unwavering in our belief. Holy Spirit, and I'm going to end with this. Y'all stand up. Musicians, if you will, come up here real quick. Joanne sent me uh, our email to go out to approve and you know, she just does an amazing word taking, uh, ta- uh, an amazing job taking words from the service and putting them, like you see all those graphics on Instagram. She goes through and eats the words that have come out of me from Holy Spirit and creates these, this imagery and takes these quotes that I don't even know that I said and puts them out there because I don't, it's not me. And so she sent me this thing that she quoted me. She said, dash MG. And I told her, the only thing that's wrong with that email is you're going to have to take out dash MG because I don't even remember saying that because it was from the throne room. So it's from Abba. And, and this is what he declared last week. It says, we are on the precipice of the absolute power of Yeshua being manifested through kingdom sons and daughters who carry the authentic presence of Abba, Father. Something is about to be birthed into this nation, into this globe that is brand new and ancient at the same time, both the beginning and the end, and the lion and the lamb. If you have breath in your lungs, you were designed for this day. These are the times. These are the moments which we were born for. And I could not feel that more than I feel it right now today. I'm so thankful and excited and I, and I, Abba, we just ask that this word believe just starts to take root in the hearts of these people today. I want something to come alive within them that has, that might have been put there from the beginning of time but hasn't come alive like it's about to come alive and that root that grew deep is starting to produce some fruit. Let us enter into a new covenant with you again. We say yes to being that epicenter that I believe you've called us to be. From the beginning of this transition, you called us hope. Apostle Ball looked me in the eyes and he said, someone's going to have to restore hope to the people. At the time, he might have been talking about us, But I think he was actually talking to us that we are called to restore the joy-filled expectation for good to a community and to a globe, to a nation. And it's only going to happen by leaning into the belief in who he is and who we're called to be. Let's do this. Let's sing House of Miracles. And I'm going to tell you all something real quick. We're going to end with this. And I'm going to speak more about this before uh, or later. But I want you to calm down. The song says Jesus in it, okay? And I'm not going to tell you at all, actually, why I actually believe it's okay, even though Yeshua is how I know him, and I love Yeshua. But I'm telling you, I'm going to, I'm going to say this. He desires we know his nature more than we know his name. I know the nature of Yahweh. I had to transition into Abba in order to know him as Papa God, to know his nature. And I want to talk to us later at some point about some of the shifting he's doing. And it's not, we're going to start calling him Jesus, but it's that we are not going to draw dividing lines. I want you to hear the heart of this song. And you guys can say Yeshua, you can say Yeshua, you can say Yeshua HaMashiach if you're Ben Nicholson.
but I don't want you to understand the name in this song. I want you to understand the nature. And I toyed with this for a long time because I was like, I don't want people to get hung up on this. But I literally, before I walk out here every single day for the past month, have listened to this song and this man with his kids sitting there singing this song and the kids just yelling, come alive. Embrace the tension and lean into the nature. Because this place is designed, you were designed to be a house of miracles. And if we're going to talk about belief, we're going to talk about the declaration of what we're coming into covenant with. Amen? I got you. You all just entered into covenant. Amen. Amen. Yes and amen. Everybody okay? Shake it off. You know what I'm shaking off? Religious traditions. My demanding to know and understand everything. My yesterday. That's going to propel us and propel me into my today. Into his today. We're on the foundation, but this is the house. It's being built by the kingdom. So just rejoice today. I'm good with, uh, well, no, let's go ahead and just continue to do this. Let's, let's come up here. Let's come up front. I, we have all this space, not for social distancing, even though as I've seen my spit go, maybe it's a good idea. I want, I want us to, to come in here and this is, this is, we don't have to sing this for a long time. This doesn't have to be a whatever. I just want to make the declaration that this is a house of miracles. That this is what will follow those who believe. Signs and wonders and miracles. Amen? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I want you to close your eyes real quick. Let's lift our hands. And I want you to just for a moment, let's take just 30 seconds. I want you to picture something in your mind that you're believing for. Stretch yourself. Stretch yourself to think beyond what is possible. Abba, we still believe you're moving. Yeshua, Jesus, we still believe you're moving. And we still believe you're speaking. God, I believe you are working all things for good. And I fix my eyes on heaven. And I receive your vision. Believe that you're working all things for our good. And this is a house of healing. And it's a, our hearts are full of faith. And we just give you our full attention today and say that we believe we believe that eye has not seen nor ear has heard. We believe we're about to see things take place in our life that are so uncommon that no one alive has ever laid eyes on the power working in today's day. I ask for that breakthrough as a testimony. I, just, I, I say lift up your eyes. Lift up your heads, O you gates. The king of glory is coming through. I just start to see things with kingdom eyes. Don't take them as happenstance. But see them for what they are. The supernatural moving throughout us and throughout this earth. Amen. I love you. I bless you. Thank you for listening. For more information on The Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org. 